Yeah. Post show. Okay, so uh, Kenny is uh, tasting the utopias, the gratis, you know, complimentary piece of utopias that comes to putting up with us on the show. And um, what did I want to talk about? Getting it. Oh, oh getting it getting right. It. So the first time. So we started our show in 2005. I had my first daughter in 2008. Congratulations. And right before she was ready to be born, you know, probably in January or February, I got an email from Boston Beer's marketing company. You know, would you like to interview Jim Cook? You know, we can get him on. I'm like, oh, we've interviewed Jim like three times, you know. <laughs> don't need to talk to him this yeah. time. But, you know, at the end, the end of the email was, you never know what you'll get until you ask type thing. I'm like, if you have any extra utopias laying around, it'd be the perfect thing to toast the birth of my firstborn child. And like 15 minutes later, I got an email back. It's in the mail. <laughs> so, you know, they're sending me a $150 bottle of beer, you know, because I've asked. And then uh, this last time it came out, 2015 or 2016, whatever. It's it 2015. Out, and, and 2015. they sent us, they sent a press release about it. And we asked. Sent a press release. I asked again, you know, because it's been eight years, mm -hmm. seven years. And they, they, you know, so that's, you're drinking the 2015 version here. Yeah, there's, a, there's a good lesson in that, I think. That you should start a craft beer podcast oh. and <laughs> and do it for ten years. Do it for ten years. Well, I mean, you know the beer. So we almost got <laughs> two bottles of this, right? Because like wires got crossed, and I got like two confirmations back, and I'm like, just so you know, because I wanted to be like, I want to get the next bottle next. You time, want to be right? above board, about it. so yeah, I want to be yeah, above yeah. board. So yeah. I like email back, I'm like just in case you don't know, I think there's already one in the mail. Just double check before you send me two bottles of Utopias. <laughs> That was on, that was a nice thing of you to do. I'm well, sure that's because I want I want it for years to come. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, if, if you, I, I remember a, a similar thing. It's a totally different experience, but um, around July Fourth, there's uh, I have a, a friend who has a, a his cousins have like a little farm area, and we like to. Sometimes go and set off a little travel a little bit. Set off a little, uh, you know, dumb fireworks there. Mm. And uh, one year, one of his, another one of his cousins, fine. One of, one of his cousins who was uh, younger, you know, in that teenage age, was like, was with us, and that was fine. But we're, you know, we did all our stuff, and it's just the end of the night, and we're cleaning up. And he's like, "Why should we clean up? You know, uh, these they're they're his, you know." aunts or uncles they're, they're not going to care and he's and i said because if we clean up they're going to let us do it next year mm. <laughs> because it's not that you know they'll be mad you know they're going to be pissed if, if we don't clean up and but if we do we get to do it next year so that's the that's the point of doing the extra work so you can do it again next yeah. year and so he was and, and that that got through to him that was the point that said oh, okay i'll clean up did you do it next year? Uh, I didn't, but I'm sure they did. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so what do you think about Utopias? Uh, it was incredible. It, it is certainly a unique flavor. Um, like I said, you, you got that kind of maple on the nose. Mm -hmm. um, you don't, oh, yeah, don't drink it. No, I'm just <laughs> sniffing the glass. Yeah. Um, Oof, that's powerful. Yeah, I smelled it when I poured it. Yeah, yeah. And it's... Uh, yeah, unique. It's it's hard to. I mean, it, it almost. I, I wouldn't have said, "Oh, this is a beer." I mean, the mouth. Yeah. It just right. coats the mouth entirely. I mean, can you imagine the yeast that actually can work that that gravity? That 
do you know how, what that process is like? I think they, I mean, they bred their own yeast. And I think they feed it, right? So a lot of high gravity beers do this, right? Yeah. Where they'll start the fermentation. You know, they'll brew a 10% beer. Uh-huh. They'll ferment it. Part, part of the way through the primary, they add more wort to it. They croisten it. Right. And they keep stepping it. They keep stepping it yeah. until, you know, it's, uh, you know, crazy ninja beer. Until the fire. What is it? 30? You, you no, said. this one's 25, 25 26, yeah. 28, somewhere in there. I mean, it, it's it's luxurious. That's the, the adjective. I'll yeah, it, it's, it's always a tough call, like, telling people about this beer, whether it's worth it. Like, it has to be... Yeah. It has... To, I mean, just be... I mean, the beer is delicious. The beer oh, is delicious. Yeah. But it's also, like, I think these days, 175 to $200 a bottle. Mm-hmm. So... You, but it's better than the dark... I mean, a great, a great value, you know, the no, dark lord you yeah. can't keep. Yeah, you, you no, can't keep better it. value than Dark Lord. Close it, open it, close it. Yeah, better value than Dark Lord for sure. Um, if you were having the special event, wedding, child, mm. something like that, I think you can justify dropping the money on it. And as long as you don't have buyer's remorse, you're going to enjoy what you have. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, totally. But you know the price point is just so crazy. It's really hard to recommend it for many things. You know, it's hard. You, you got to really know the person before you can recommend them. It's a three D printer of beers, right? I mean, you you're no no the three D printer of beer. It's cheaper than an Xbox now. I mean, it's you know it, it's <laughs> well. I mean, but you still you're you're spending a lot of money for that. And if you're not going to use, I'm not it, spending then it's a not... lot of money. It's cheaper than a, a th- Xbox three sixty or Xbox One. I paid $300 for that. At this point, yeah. The technology, I mean, in the last few years. But cheaper than a game console. No, you didn't pay. You paid about $450 for that. Well, with all the add-ons, mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> um, and you spent a lot of time setting it up. And that is time is money, right? I mean, so most people are not going to be willing to put in that time. Right. So don't sure. buy one of those no. If you're not going to, that, that's my point. Yeah, no, don't so buy a utopia as if you're not going to sit right. with it and really enjoy it and do 3D, all the stuff. 3D printing is a hobby, not an appliance. There's <laughs> this is a hobbyist beer, right? But I'm just saying, this is, this is not a you know, this is not a shelf turn, this is not a a one off thing. This is, this is a hobbyist, this is a beer for hobbyists. Yeah. This is something for somebody who's really into beer to cherish and and enjoy on that level yeah. it's not there for you oh, I, I agree i mean the beer like i said people aren't going to dislike the beer it's just you gotta figure out what their budget is right you know, and right. They, whether that can stretch but not break their budget i'm sure there's plenty of you know <laughs> they took lots of you know price uh price evaluation and they did you know what is that old economic uh stuff price Something of sale. Yeah, I mean, trying to remember make... my, my old macroeconomics. <laughs> or macro... Guns versus butter. No, it's uh, that's all I remember. Price it starts with a D. Something like price. Anyway, Different, it, differentiation. No, no. Um, basically, oh. there, there's a point where you sell more. You know, you you sell more if it's lower price. You sell less if it's higher price, but you make more money right, at the right, right, at right. the right intersection of points. Right. So you um, so you figure out what that is, and then you you sell your you sell your product at that point. Right. So you maximize profits. Well, I have... oh sure. I mean that's kind of what they're doing. They're, the the demand vastly outpaces supply. Right. 
Right. So they just got to keep the supply at just the point where they can charge <laughs> an exorbitant premium. <laughs> no, I'm not saying the beer is cheap to make. This it, beer is an expensive really cool beer to make, yeah. right? I don't know what their margins are on this beer compared to their no average idea. beer. Yeah. But price this beer, elasticity. Yeah, price elasticity. elasticity. Yeah. Yeah, that starts with a D. <laughs> yeah. There's a D in there, right? <laughs> the price I, elasticity of supply. Is I would say about. it's a... Uh, or actually demand, technically. Mm-hmm. Price elasticity of demand. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's an experience, right? I mean, um, anytime you have a story surrounding a beer, the... The value of the beer is increased, I think. And it would um, taste that good. <laughs> right. And yeah, and it's a good beer. I mean, um, I the first time I tried Hetty Topper, I was working in New York at, at a magazine. And I had heard about this brewery in Vermont, wanted to check it out, pitched my editor on it. He said, go for it. Um, so I typed in, um, you know, Alchemist Brewery, Vermont, uh, to see how far it was. And the first thing that popped up was a news article. This is the last weekend for I think that the yeah. original cannery is, is going to be open. Oh, because they, yeah, they were expanding, right? Right. Well, no, it was uh, – they had – Oh, they had a township problem. They had a something. township problem. That's yeah, right. their neighbors said you know somebody turned around 14 times in her driveway in an hour or something one summer. Because it's just it was this little brewery yeah, that yeah. just exploded. You had people, you know, mm-hmm. flying in from around the world to to get this beer. Yeah, that's right. I remember um, that. So I yeah. I told my boss I have to go like now. I have to get in a car like now. He's like, go for it. So um, I ended up going with a photographer. How disappointing was that drive? Uh it was a cool. I mean, it was seven hours. We got. I know. What I'm saying is, we've had Hetty three times, and it's never been amazing. <laughs> well, see, but uh, the reason I think that I really enjoyed the beer because of the experience. Yes, mm. was because the hunt. We were. We left Manhattan. We got into an accident. We all survived. We got back in the car. We kept going. You know, we got there. We got. Four cans. Road of Trials. Yeah, Road of Trials. Yeah, when there's, you know, the when there's a story journey. around it. Exactly. We slept, yeah. we slept in a field. We only had two sleeping bags for three of us. Did you meet us. with the goddess? Yeah, we met with the goddess. Reconciliation with the father. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joseph Campbell came down you're, from the clouds. You're giving and, him a boner yeah, right yeah. now. Talk about story structure. <laughs> Got through the final threshold. Yeah, and... we did. And that final threshold tasted like spring. So we, we all the heady that we've received... It's been too easy. It's been too easy. Well, we, we didn't go on it. I People mean, send it to us. Too it, it's part easy. of the montage, right? It's, it's part of that, that the belly of the whale. Yeah. So that's so, why yeah. we don't think Hetty's amazing because we didn't have to work for it. I believe it. And I think that's that's what I'm saying. I think that, I didn't have to work for Boom Sauce, and we, that was fucking. That's amazing. true. We didn't have to work for the Utah Shears. And there are beers well, that are just. Well, we, we have amazing. to work. I mean, we have to. You, t- you started by telling me a story about. You know, you, oh, you, you never talked about, about how we started. I, I want to get there. It's, yeah. So our oh, yeah, origin yeah. story. Origin story. <laughs> uh, so 2005, I discovered the thing called podcasting in March of 2005. And I was a beer geek at the time. So I looked for beer podcasts. And there was probably about five out there. And there was one called Screw Tops that I, that I liked the format of. But I found myself yelling at my radio because the guys <laughs> didn't really know what they were talking about. 
they described the milk stout completely the lactose and milk stout completely wrong i can't remember what they said about it but I'm I think like, it's the act no. they added milk or something something like that i have no idea but then their gimmick was burping into the microphones but other than that, I thought they were doing uh, like a neat format show, kind of educational review type thing. But I was so frustrated by what I found out in the marketplace. I'm like, I wonder if I can do a podcast. Just like how you, you that's know, That's how our culture got started. Yeah. Exactly. So I mean, that's <laughs> how we got started, right? Because the five or so podcasts out there, I really didn't care for. I thought that, you know, Screw Chops was doing a disservice to craft beer. And I wanted to set the record straight. Um, Greg and I had worked together previously, but we weren't working together at the time. He was just barely into craft beer. He knew he liked like Newcastle and brown ales and sure. things like that. Mm-hmm. That's probably about it. Yeah. And I was, I didn't know a fraction of what I know now, but no, I was into beer. I was reading, I was on Beer Advocate all the time, sure. reading articles, doing all that stuff. So I was kind of the moderate expert and he was the newbie so there was this nice dynamic at the beginning of the show right where i was teaching greg and he was having his eyes opened Mm -hmm. every week by new beers and uh then you know we just kept going from there you know and we've always tried to not be jocular about it um not have too much we never put on a face we're never being anything but ourselves in this show. well you know we wanted the treat craft beer with the sincerity that we felt feel that it needs right we know we're not the frat boy podcast or anything like that um you know that's a question i couldn't figure out how to ask during the show is you know you're talking about you you're the thing for beer drinkers but you want to keep it fun and one of the things that we've found you know i thought about over the years is it's kind of at odds with each other mm-hmm. at times, right? Well, there's you need to. I mean, what? I mean, what, I think we've found a balance, but I mean, I mean, at certain times of times over the years, I've been at odds, right? Because you know, we've been called the guys in lab coats. We've right. been called, you know, <laughs> uh, I don't see any lab coats. <laughs> yeah, but you know, we're taking it you know people basically have told us we take it too seriously that you know and that's kind of our niche is is, is the point is sure that that's where we fall uh so if we were something for we're not for everybody there's a a specific you know group of people who would like our show and we don't try to pander to anybody to get other things we we've adapted the show to both our sensibilities and the sensibilities that we think will work Uh, well our, our download numbers have been flat for like seven years six years like we're still around 3500 an episode and like it's not growing so we have a niche people come people go but it's been flat yeah now i'm not working at monetizing the podcast i'm not trying sure, to grow sure, listenership sure. it's just it's interesting we kind of hit this plateau that's been like a seven-year plateau <laughs> it's crazy actually um no i'm fine with it because mm-hmm. there's no we don't have a need there's no we have jobs of our own that are not involved in beer at all so we don't sure. have any need to do that we get plenty of of um notice from other places so we don't have to really people know about our, our people in the industry know about our show which is something that we never even really expected mm-hmm. to happen but we're happy that it's that it's happened uh enough that enough that we get like i said you know we get you know people sending us beer and we can send out feelers for for that kind of stuff and we can definitely get press we didn't ask for free beer until seven years into the podcast you know we just did and i think it's to our credit i mean there's 
There's like 85 beer podcasts on iTunes right now. There's quite a few now, yeah. There's like so many. And, oh, I've been doing my podcast for three months. Send me beer, you know? <laughs> no, when we send our emails, it's like we've been doing this for 12 years. We're the <laughs> longest running beer podcast. Are you? Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, wow. Yeah. Longest continually running beer podcast. Wow. So. Well, I'm honored to be here. Like I said, those five that were around when we started, not anymore. There's two... Basic brewing two, is still around, two, which came around. Well, there's two or after. three that started just after us that are still around. We, so Basic Brewing is kind of a homebrew podcast. Uh, James Spencer does it. Big fan of his show, even though I haven't listened to it in quite a while. <laughs> so and it, it, that, That's the thing. That, that's why our numbers stay flat, because some yeah. people leave. Life is right, busy. Right, right. Um, life is busy. Um, the Beer Report. I, I like their format. They're... They they let the side topics creep into their show. It's it's uh, two brothers, uh, two brothers that probably wouldn't have much of a relationship if they weren't doing the beer podcast <laughs> together. But they only do two or three episodes a year, uh, maybe four episodes a year. But you know they're always interesting to listen to. They're in um, in Illinois, Indiana, what's, Illinois. What's in China, right? China? No. <laughs> Wasn't that why they stopped doing it weekly? Because one no, moved. No. Yeah. The, oh well there's should i drink that the other pittsburgh beer podcast right and sick puppy got busy with the fracking and stopped doing his podcast okay i don't even um, that's not china <laughs> that's not china but that stopped so yeah there's another beer podcast in pittsburgh called should i drink that well, there's there a couple was more, right there's yeah. no there's um doug's still doing it what about that guy on on that guy that we had our little not fight with, but are oh, there some beef? Talking about Jason? Yeah, Jason. we we had a little beef with the uh, Pittsburgh Jason. Craft Beer Network. Oh yeah, which is funny because I've never actually talked to Jason in person. Oh, he's no, he's actually a really. I nice talked guy. to him actually. I talked to him once. I was a hitchhiker once. Talked to him. Yeah, but no, we had this this whole beef because he like did this. He's a hype machine, right? I mean, <laughs> all marketing. Jason, I, I can't say anything bad about Jason. Mm-hmm. I, you don't uh, have to. I, I like Jason. Yeah, I I know somebody else who who, uh, who I work with who's also a friend of his. So yeah. I, I don't know anybody who's ever said anything bad about. Him. Really, honestly, except that, that's the you. truth. <laughs> except for we, us two, for some reason, whatever reason, like I said, we don't even know the guy. <laughs> All we know is that people like him. Uh, we find some of his stuff like some of the stuff from a couple years ago now. We we found it a little like off putting. Blog entries, the the twenty day countdown for the Pittsburgh Craft Beer Network. You know, like <laughs> you. Uh, so when I was younger, I was probably in tenth grade, and I was in ninth grade, and uh, I got into a fight one day uh, at at school, and I hit a kid, and was very upset. Because I didn't want to hit him. I was being, you know, bullied. And uh, I had enough. And I hit him. And uh, it was awesome. It was great. I was never cooler than, like, the day after Mm -hmm. I did it. But uh, he and I actually ended up becoming friends. And, uh, yeah, I think... I, I'm going to introduce you guys to Jason at some point. I would, I would actually be happy to meet him. Actually, I, I did meet him once, and I, I mean, we guys, were congenial yeah. and whatnot, and you know, like kind of we got off on along. the wrong foot. <laughs> the, the thing that rubs me 
and I'm sure he's a great person. Yeah. But the way he goes about promoting his stuff, you know, it it it's just he's he's a hype machine. And... It it really rubs against our sensibilities. Sure. Is, is the issue, sure, and and sure. that's so it's nothing wrong with him. It's just our sensibilities. You know, we're old men at this point. We're we, we're setting our ways a little bit. So when we see that kind of big market, one of the things that we always talk about, or we we used to talk about a lot, is how there's so much marketing speak around these beers, and we try to I try to avoid when I'm talking about the descriptions. I try to avoid taking the marketing stuff mm. and just get the facts and have us tell the story as much as we can. And so when somebody is seems to us to be all marketing speak, uh, that's when we're like. Where we have this kind of natural like polarity that's like pushing us away from that. So it's like a field, like two interactive <laughs> fields that are one's positive and one's exactly. negative. Like, ooh. <laughs> I think your point earlier about um, like how to how to balance kind of fun and journalism. How do mm-hmm. you how are you right. both of those things? I think that is a really interesting question. Um, at the magazine we worked for in New York, they, they kind of had an, an 80-20 rule where um, 80% of the time you were doing what you needed to do to make sure that the magazine could put out content and keep the lights on and stay running. And 20% of the time you were doing things that really spoke to your editorial soul. Um, so you guys are in a position where like you said, you both have other jobs. This is kind of a, a hobby. Right. Um, the magazine was in a that that I was working for in New York was in a position where that was the job and the hobby. So they were in a position where, in order to survive as a as a company, you know, sometimes you had to write things or or do things that didn't speak to you as much. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say though. Um, I ended up, right before I left the magazine, I ended up getting assigned a piece, uh, the 10 best men's underwear. And I was so mad. I was furious. Um, I felt like it was beneath me. I, then you tried some awesome underwear. So so that's kind of where I'm going with this, is that uh, I ended up, I never wrote the piece. I left the magazine um, and I came back to New York. Actually, I had left some stuff there. Uh, after I moved to California, uh, came back to New York. This is two years later. Um, and I, I was packing up some stuff because I knew I was moving back here to Pittsburgh. And I found a sample pair that an underwear company had sent me uh, before I left the magazine when I was preparing mm-hmm. to write this piece. And uh, I tried them on, and I was like, I, I have to tell everyone I know about this underwear. And this, that was MeUndies. <laughs> yeah, right? com. You can get 20% No, no I can imagine. I mean, <laughs> when you buy a new pack of underwear and they just fit just right. And I'm that's, sure. That's and, I've never, that, that's and, I've never, that, and I've never bought premium underwear. No, so I, I could, But I could imagine there's an extra. I'm a fruit of the loom guy, but uh, I, it, which is why this was such a revolution to me. It was, uh, it was, it was awesome. And since then, I've always tried to maintain an open mind um, 
granted, there are pieces that that we write. But the, that's the Spiegel of underwear. Is um, you, you also Spiegel of underwear. I'll, I, I'll I talk think that that it, it should be said. <laughs> if I had forty million dollars or something, I would want to just have new underwear and socks every day instead of having to go through the wash because that's better. Right, I mean, once you wash them, it goes through eight, ten washes. Those are, that's underwear is not the same. Anymore. It's yeah. not green. the same. Nice and green there. Two underwear every day. Yeah. Throw them out. Yeah. Uh, no, it, it wouldn't be green, but I'd have the money to to afford carbon know. offsets. Yeah, right. Uh, no, I mean, it, I'm not saying it would it would be the most it, you know efficient thing. Or, I never or really the, thought about premium underwear until I heard like on some of the uh, Earwolf podcasts yeah. when those guys are advertising the whatever's Meundies, yeah, and yeah. you know anti back underwear. I'm like, well, that's a good idea. Get some anti back in the crotch there, right? Right. You know, so yeah. the stink stays down. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I I guess my point is that uh, we we do have a mix on the site of. You know, like I said, 2,500 word, first person mm-hmm. journalistic reporting. Somebody spent, you know, a while out in the field doing interviews with people, um, getting full photography, you know. Um, and then we also have like the seven best growlers sure. on the market. Um, so I think it's a mix. Um, I think for us. Sometimes- so, so. So, but that's 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 an achievable list, right? The the best growlers as opposed to the best any IPAs, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So I'm okay with the best beer glasses, the best growlers. I will write one of those right. for you, right? right. You know, you send me. I, I want to find something that competes with the Spiegel, right? Sure. So if you can get Riedel and all those other guys to send me glasses, I will write you the article. <laughs> um, I get that growlers. I get it. You know, it's it's. When you're talking about the, whenever I see those listicles, like about the best breweries, right? When I'm reading the article, I'm trying to figure out where the person lives, right? Because it's always so apparent. Well, do you remember last from their sphere of yeah. influence? You know, you can tell exactly where they live. Last episode, we we talked about that 18 key events in in craft beer <laughs> oh, radio. Yeah. There was an article from some site. It's 18, like. Events, milestones, milestones, craft craft beer. radio, and we fought maybe beer. four or five of them. Carrot were were you could successfully characterize as milestones. A lot of them were sort of repeating the same thing, sure. or were something that was like ridiculous. Like they um, had Goose Island selling and Ballast Point selling as milestones. I mean, sure that it's an order of magnitude, yes, but still selling your brewery to a big company is once and done, right? And <laughs> you know, we totally agree with like. Dale's Pale Ale beating Can. That's a really important part of the brewery. But then the left hand getting the first nitrogenated craft beer can. Bottle. Bottle. Why yeah. is that? It's yeah. not really something that's yeah. caught on as a trend. And it's not something that's, exactly. you know, when, when, you, when you look at all of craft beer, you know, And they sent oh, us well, some of the nitro bottles and yeah. they were not noteworthy. Yeah, you think, oh, what left hand did there? That was amazing. No one, <laughs> I, right. no one I know has ever. But that author was from. Colorado, Colorado, yeah. So it was backyard stuff, and yeah, that's yeah. when, I, whenever I see these best ten best whatevers, when the sample, the potential sample space is not sampleable. Certainly, mm-hmm. growlers, the seven best growlers. You that's, can get in a bunch of growlers. You can do that. You can test them, and you can write about the yes. pros and cons of each one. The best stainless growler, right? Yep. You know, because the stainless ones have. You know, I would love to see if there's any merits on glass over stainless. I can't imagine there is, mm. but or ceramic or 
Yeah. Yeah, this is surreal. This is... Yeah. I, I think it's really important to have a methodology. And the articles that I read, you know, the 15 best beers of 2016, oh, because you got a rare beer in that you wanted to shoot and called it one of the best and uh-huh. wrote an article around it because you knew people would click on it. Mm-hmm. That, to me, is taking advantage of a reader um, with a title like that. Um, yeah. If we don't have some type of methodology, I'm not interested in writing a piece like that. I think... Um, I'll write you an article about the best glass brush. The best glass... What's a glass brush? To clean your glassware. I found it. I, 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 I don't think you have. Oh, wow. What? You don't think I found the best glass brush? No, but judging by the glasses that I looked at in your, in, in, in your cabinet, no. There are some that aren't clean. Oh, I'll tell you the truth. I had too many dirty glasses and I ran this to the dishwasher. <laughs> the truth comes out after hours. I had like 45 dirty glasses. Well, I'm just saying. So what is it? What's the, what's the best glass brush? It's the one sitting in there. I don't remember the name of it. <laughs> It's the one sitting in there. Because, yeah. But I went through and, you know, I had the three different bottle brushes, or not bottle brushes, but, you know, glassware brushes. And this one's kind of a chamois like thing on a stick. And the the handle is wide enough that it stands up so it dries all on its own. I mean, it's just. If you want to write 250 words about that, I'll publish it. (laughs) I I could do 250 words on a glass brush. Yeah, I'll get it. Cleaning your glasser. Do full photography for it. (laughs) Make it a thing. Yeah. Can you make a 3D model of it? I've got the real thing. I don't have a fucking 3D model. I did want to discuss the Pinewood Derby race. Okay. Because that reminds me of when I was a Cub Scout and I did Pinewood Derby race um, at DeFeef Elementary back in Maryland. And I cried because I didn't win. I was such a little a little twerp. <laughs> did you spend a lot of time on your car? No. <laughs> are you, in hindsight, are you surprised that you didn't win? No, not at all. Uh, but I... And people were getting awards, and I was like, eh, and they got like a participation badge. And I was like, okay. Um, I just, I just remember me. I that that for some reason is a strong memory. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm thinking, lay down about, on our couch, Greg. Yeah, I'm hearing you, and I'm I'm validating you, and I'm sorry that happened. I'm not sorry it happened. You know, it, it, <laughs> I, I can't change the past. It's just something. It's one of those things that when I heard that, it, it immediately brought yeah. up this this, this memory. Um, and it made me think, man, if I was doing a Pinewood Derby race today, how would I approach it? Because I know a lot more about stuff, you know, well, okay. physics, about physics and, and about here, aerodynamics. Here, here's number one. Don't play with your car before the race. Because one year, like, I had my car done. And I had a bunch of hardback books. They were a series, Sesame Street or something. I don't remember what they were. But I set them up as a track, right? And a jumping ramp. So I'm pushing my new Pinewood Derby car that's just been completed. And it's jumping and landing and breaking off the like the, the rims of the wheel, right? So now my wheels are going wobbly, 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 wobbly. So don't do that. <laughs> but... We've all learned like an adult Pinewood Derby race. How would you approach that? You're, you're facing off other adults, like you're a not savage. Other kids. You gotta. You well, I mean, it would be win. like NASCAR yeah. shit, right? Like, where do you, where's the weight distribution? Where's the weight distribution? Some time in a wind are you? Yeah. yeah. Are you thinking about greasing your axles at a certain point? Well, what's, what's legal? You have to. What's or, legal is dry lubricant. If you use graphite, you gotta find the best graphite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you got to figure out the tolerances. I mean, because if you really want to be good at this. 
you're going to look at the physics. You're going to look at all this, the aerodynamics, yeah. all the stuff that's going to get into it. Because design is key. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, so so you know, after I'm going to be pulling out the Navier Stokes equations, being like, well, what what kind of turbulence? So, so I actually make? googled this after I saw the event. And yeah, there's web pages talking about weight distribution and where to put the weight. Yeah. Uh-huh. The weight it should your car should balance one inch in front of the rear rear axle. You know that the people have done the work. Yeah. So if you put your car in a balance stand, and you put the bal- uh-huh. you set it one inch in front of the rear axle, that's where the weight distribution is balanced. And uh, what do tell everyone? I want to win this race. <laughs> Everyone has Google, so now you gotta. Now you have to invent new shit, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, so okay, so let's say either you have to hope you're the most motivated motherfucker out there. All right, so so <laughs> let, let's say you say to yourself, "All right, there's there's probably somebody more motivated to to be to win the, to, you know, to, to do maybe they have access to all types of stuff to do this thing. Right. Speed. But there is that most unique prize. Yes. What do I do to get most unique? It's the way to go, I think. I mean, or if you, well, if you're a craftsman, you make the best car. You make like a Model T that's right. like, like reproduced, like perfect. Um, if you're going for the speed, I mean, you're going into everything. You're polishing the nails for the mm-hmm. axles. You're doing everything. Most unique. It's hard to say until you see it, right? It's, it's like pornography. You gotta get like a uh, <laughs> you know it when you Lady see Gaga it. car up in there. Or something. So so one year, my like last year when I was a Weeblow at Cub Scouts, I came up with a design where the car was scooped like this. Where and my plan was you that the start peg. Well. Yeah, well, I'm describing the people that I care about right now. So <laughs> on my car, instead of like it sloping down and being aerodynamic, it sloped up. So the height, the far, the farthest point forward was the top of the car. So it had this concave thing going up to the front, right? Okay. So, how else would you describe it verbally? I don't know. I have never seen so, the car. So, You're putting your hand up. I'm, I don't really I'm have thinking a... like a like something you'd see. Is it top a, heavy? Is that a, is that no, Japanese this was, auto? This show. was the profile of my car. Where's the front? The the little proboscis they're sticking out the front. Okay, so it looks like. It looks like a cleaver. Looks like Oklahoma. It does look like Oklahoma. It does look yeah. like Oklahoma. Okay, so Oklahoma is the front of the car, the little panhandle. Uh-huh. And the plan was the start peg would fit underneath the overage, right? Okay. So I'd get a couple extra centimeters on the rest of the competition. Oh. But the track that they used that year didn't use dowels that drop straight down. They used a track where the the thing fell forward, So and it was too tall. So my car was sitting like this against the start peg and the start peg went down uh, like but i but i still got a start advantage because i started rolling as before as the, I, I got more start motion than the cars that were touching the bottom oh, of the start peg because of the rotation i got through the first two rounds of the race but i think aerodynamics killed me right after that right so if I ever revisited that design, I would put kind of an air tunnel in the middle with a scoop that would go up, right? So I would have the proboscis holding me at the top of the start peg, but then directly underneath the proboscis, it would be kind of this sloped up aerodynamic wind tunnel. They look like uh, It looks like the, color, the printer decided it wanted to clean itself or something right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um so, you know, that was one of the ideas I had. And That's interesting. Refining that idea would be fun if I had a lot fun. of 
lot of trials, a lot of errors, mm-hmm. and trying to figure out how to do this. And knowing knowing how the track is going to be set up is, right. is an important Huge. point. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm building a hover car. I've never seen it done. I'd love to do it. Like what kind of hover car? Like a legit, like Back to the Future. Back to the Future. This isn't touching the ground. Is it cheating, or is it brilliant? Kind of car. How are you going to do this? With my mind and science. I know the science here. I'm my you my need a skirt. What, yeah. One of my hobbies, and, and, and besides beer, is um, particle physics. I had a feeling that <laughs> might have been the case. <laughs> I was going to ask, and so I'm well aware of the basic fundamental forces of nature. Right. So the question is, how are you going to do this? Right. How are you going to achieve hovering with the knowledge that we have of the? It sounds basic... like you already know the answer you're not oh i'm not (laughs) yeah well he's gonna buy a t ti32 land speeder from tatooine i mean there are there are things that you could a great deal on that do you could create you know (laughs) did you see that did you see that autograph thing that mark hamill was pitching is that what you're talking about no so quick quick segue there was a thing on twitter there's a quick twitter on this (laughs) this week where um Back in the day, Mark Hamill signed and autographed a picture of Luke in the land speeder and did kind of a used car or best offer sale thing, you know, runs great. And then he saw it on eBay like this week. So he was bitching about it. He showed the picture and, you know, and, and so when you said you were getting a great deal on that, oh. I thought maybe you saw that. <laughs> yeah. You and your Star Wars. I put, I gave you Rogue One, by the way, so you now have it. Oh, really? The, the, Blu-ray rip, so yeah, you can watch that shit. All <laughs> I'm not gonna watch that, that shit. Dumb shit. Max will watch one. that shit. <laughs> Is that the the most recent one they came yeah, out? Yeah. Oh my god, it's terrible. What? Just look from. We don't have to get into it because it's not gonna. Make you it. and I are story guys. We're story guys, and there was no story there. I was I was upset. I was upset. I also didn't know why we ended up on seven different planets in the first six months. Oh, God. The first part was so boring. Just lop it all off. There was no no interesting characters in the entire fucking movie. And no. then it just... Oh, and, like, okay, the I the last part, like, the, the last half was more competently directed. The action. Oh, well, it moved, 100%. But you didn't care about anything. Right. And so the big thing was, are they going to get the plans? Well, spoiler, they do. So there's no... We already you don't knew. care about that. that part. Right. So you are either caring about the characters or you don't care. Right. And they didn't give you anything about the characters to care about. So... Uh, from... In fact, you almost had a, a, a... I personally had a negative reaction to... I thought the, the, the guy that we were supposed to see as the hero, I thought he was... The, the bad guy. Oh, Cassian? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. the first scene, he shoots this weak, defenseless guy. Right. right? I mean, he's, and they're setting him up to be, you know, shades of gray, but right. that was his only shade of gray moment, and then he's like the hero. And so there's no... Well, we need a rogue. You need a... Like console. Oh, right, but then... That, but we don't want to develop But I thought her. that's what she was supposed to be, and she... Well, that was all left in the editing room floor. Oh, yeah, she <laughs> goes from being, you know, a misanthrope to being all about hope in... With, with no... A very no catalyst. Of time, yeah. And there's one interesting character, and the only reason why it's an interesting character is because it's a sassy character commenting on how all this stuff is done, <laughs> which is the robot. The so, robot. The robot is the only character <laughs> yeah. I like. Well, yeah. 
Everyone liked the robot. That's the one I liked. Because so, it, it, it's it's the one character who's, who's saying what you're thinking. Right. Which is a great technique. Yeah. The um, Star Wars Rebels, the cartoon that's on right now, this latest episode, what, uh, they had Obi-Wan and Darth Maul. I actually saw on AV Club, they talked about how it was a character story, which was like, it wow. It was a character story. If they finally did. Cause... But they also had like the lightsaber battle that I've been waiting for. It was like, Three strikes and they killed Darth Maul. Mm-hmm. Like, boom, boom, dead. Yeah. Awesome. It was like, I'm tired of this like acrobatic bullshit. Right, <laughs> yeah. Like, Just lightsaber battles. It out for another 10 minutes. So you it's can... like, I don't know if they did it because of time or whatnot, but it was, vomp, vomp, slice them in half, done. I mean, you had two of the greatest Jedis in the galaxy facing off against Darth Maul. And yeah, that. That thing went on for like <laughs> far too long. No, I mean most sword fights in history are dunk dunk chopped his head off. Well, I mean, you know? the, in in a movie, in these scenes, the the battles are about the emotions of the characters. Having this big drawn out dun, 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 blah blah blah, you lose all the emotion of the mm-hmm. characters. Yeah. I mean, it's like it it should be like a musical in some sense the musical when you sing a song you're really getting into the emotion of the characters but if the the song goes on for 15 minutes you get you're annoyed as hell you're like come on end this friggin song so you can have the 3 minute song but keep it at that song and, or, or or like you said you do it very quickly and you have this spike of emotion but then you end it because that says it says more about the characters. And, and Rebels, is, I mean, it's not like Rebels got it right. Rebels has a plenty of drawn-out lightsaber battles. Right. Now, this is the one that was, like, short, to the point. I mean, that, and... so this was a guy who he fought 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so he's preparing all that time. And he fights yeah. him again. Well, so I was reading... So he knows exactly how to so fight So I, I didn't see the AV Club article, but I read some of the other stuff about it. And, like, the producers, like... Had Maul used the same attack technique that he had used against Quigon Jim, right? So, you know, again, Obi Wan has been preparing for it, so he mm-hmm. knew what to expect and just chopped him right down, that kind of thing. As long as the character doesn't come back, as long as that's you know a definitive end to the Darth right. Maul he, character, he's, he's done. Yeah. He's done. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that it's going to be very difficult to come back from that. It's a it's Star Wars. You never know. It, well, he had his, he had his legs of... cut off before and fell down a hole, so he came back from that. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, Darth Vader had all his limbs cut off. And, oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. then there's the no, he, no. Uh, from the extra stuff, Maul's done this time. You know, the the the, the canon people were like they finished up that storyline. I thought Darth Maul Re- was never a very interesting character anyway. In, in Rebels, he, he cool. In in Rebels. <laughs> He had a nice English accent and was introspective and, you know, kind of the thoughtful Sith. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's not what you saw. That's not what else. I saw in, no. the, yeah, I saw some guy who had spikes and it was like, ooh, we yeah. got to kill the Jedi. And he right. has two bladed yeah. lightsaber, yeah. What what ooh. race is he supposed to be? Because there's no more of those. Like, you're the only... He, he had a brother oh, yeah. that was yellow. Spiky head, oh, dude. Really? So he was red. He had a brother that yeah. had yellow and black. Um there's a couple other ones. I don't remember the race name. One of them was in Knights of the Old Republic, too. Yeah, there's probably more out there. They're not extinct. They're not all Sith, but... Um, right. Star Sith, Wars. Man. <sighs> Bummer. So dumb so Star I thought, Wars. I, I, but, anyway. Anyway. Hover car. Hover car. To make a long story short, impossible. 
Pretty much. What you're thinking that, of Back whole, to the Future that style? That whole energy density thing we talked about in the beginning? That's what I'm thinking We of. need a breakthrough in that. Yeah. And then yeah. I think we'll have a hovercar. Well, I mean, if you can figure out anti-gravity... Right. If you, which, can, if you can understand gravity, which no one understands, right? Then, uh, then maybe you got a, maybe you have a, uh, a lead you, on if this. If you but, had like free energy, you could power turbines to push air down. Sure, absolutely. If you had infinite energy, then it'd be no problem. If the track had a magnetic charge, then you. Now we're talking. Well, then you have to stay on the track. You have to stay on the track. And you have to be careful but about no what one you're calls doing. That maglev. No one calls that hover. That's maglev, right? That's. I mean, that's like bullet train stuff, right? Yeah, that's yeah, you know, yeah. that's already that that we can do. But it's. Terrific. I mean, the hovering yeah. you can do is hovering on a plastic skirt of high pressure air. Right, right. Which seems inefficient. Sure. Well, it goes it on is. water and sand. Yeah. <laughs> it can't go over rocks. It can. Not not big rocks, but it can. You just don't want to rip your skirt. You're, yeah. I mean, you're not yeah, going to be hovering yeah. But I, it, Mythbusters did a test on. Uh, of they did a you know a fake minefield, but the idea was can hovercrafts work on minefields? And from what they tested, yes, actually, huh. you're not going to really because it's you're just, distributing because you're distributing your weight over enough, the entire. Right. All right, so no single mine. Yeah, but what much. if you? I guess what if you cut? I don't know. What if you clipped the? Clip the edge of a mine. Well, the, the mines are generally the ones they were dealing with, at least are pressure sensitive. Oh, okay, okay. So you're talking about. Yeah, not tripwires or anything. Right. Yeah, no, hover, a claymore will fuck up a hovercraft. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's good to know for the for the next time Skynet. I saw. It was a. Uh, these guys do this in Abu Dhabi. They have this like little personal powered jet wing thing. Okay, like like a hang glider thing, but it's like, like a hang glider, but it's only you know it fits on their back, uh-huh. so the wingspan is probably ten to twelve feet. Right, has two ultralight turbine engines. Mm-hmm. And you need can... to have those engines because otherwise you're not going to get much aerodynamic right. those wings. Right, but as long as you have power, but, you can. I use mean, the these guys, it's it's just like a wingsuit, but it's like a powered wingsuit. Right, you get to work it, like that, or is it like a? I think they have it, parachutes too, and I think they so, go like a demonstration. Uh, guys, the guys yeah, hoping yeah. in like ten years that they can have tourist. It's it's tourist ready, but right now it's like a sounds, multi segways. It's, it's, it's like a multi million dollar carbon fiber wing frame. You know, it's it's like the. It's bleeding edge technology right now, but they jump out of airplanes and fly around Abu Dhabi in a little Iron Man jetpack suit. That's pretty dope. That is neat. That's <laughs> crazy. Oh, that's where I saw it is. You know, since I recently signed up for Netflix, I watched an episode of White. Was it White Rabbit? The the new MythBusters. With the, oh yeah, the White Rabbit. Yes. White Rabbit. It's not a very good show, no. but the one I did watch had the jetpack on it. I just saw Chef's Table. They went to White Rabbit. It's a restaurant. Okay. Oh no, this is a different show. Yeah. It's a do- show on. on it has Netflix. the uh, build team from Mythbusters, from Mythbusters with yeah. Tori and yeah. uh, the Carrie, Carrie, Carrie Grant. 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 So they have their they had their own show. Have their own show. I don't know. But it's not so good. No, it, it feels very. <laughs> it's not Legion. No, no, no. <laughs> it's not even Mythbusters. <laughs> uh, you can, you can feel the advertising that's in there seeping into it, and you can oh, feel them. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 kind of gross actually. It it feels. <laughs> It feels very manufactured, like the Green Flash. Oh, disagree. Oof. Uh, so we should probably get going. It's uh, <laughs> near midnight. Uh, I got work tomorrow. Yeah, but thanks so much for coming. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. 
Come back when you can have some beer. That yeah. sounds great. You guys are awesome. Right. Great. 